Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Over the Bridge Podcast. My name's Bilal, and we've got Kweku. Yo, what's going on? Patrick. Yo, what's good, people? And today, we are joined by our good friend Ife, who's going to introduce himself in just a minute, innit? But today, um, we're going to get into a topic that I would like Patrick to introduce, but I want Ife to take the mic. Tell us who you are. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Um, I'm Ife. Um, uh, most people know me as co-founder of Chiku's, the world's first Nigerian tapas restaurant. Big up. Mm. <laughs> just off the bat, like, <laughs> boom, boom, boom. like Nigerian tapas. Let's Yo, just say that. Yo, That's what I'm saying. Certy. Jalof quinoa. Certy. <laughs> um, but I'm also a playwright, um, or a writer rather, and mm. uh, I've just written my first play. Amazing. That's so, I mean, like, that's so much going on, like, for one person. Let's just say that. It's quite like, um, like... It's quite polar as well, like yeah, very very creative on the one side. No, they're both creative though. If you yeah. think about it, running a business and a restaurant as well, mm. it's just two different types of creation. Yeah, um, manifest you, itself differently. Even coming up with a menu though, like that's that's like a big creative. That must be fun. Mm. I love food. Though. What's your favorite <laughs> dish off the menu? I. Mm. Or if you you advise like someone that's new new to. Uh, I always restaurant. tell people to get the jollof quinoa. Okay. Um, mm. just because I think. Nah, you have to. It's our signature. It's been on the menu from the beginning. Okay. Mm. And then also um, our plantain waffles. Mm. Um, and they're for like for everyone because they're gluten-free and they're vegan as well. So they wow. bang. So mm. accommodating everyone. Yeah, but, yeah. Banging. Yeah, be. Yeah. but we're not going to focus too much on the restaurant today, right? Because you're here in your other capacity as a playwright. Mm. Patrick, yeah. what are we talking about today? So we're talking about art today, man. We're talking about the artistic space. You must say the art. Um, so I'll just sort of reel off the question that I, I put into the, the our um, WhatsApp group the other day because this is how I wanted to kind of explore this topic. So I wanted us to talk about what it's like to be a black artist in today's uh, art world. Um, what your expression looks like, Ife, um, and uh, how it's received by what is still a very, very much white dominated institution. Mm. Um, and yeah, how you how you navigate all of that. So um yeah, man. Tell us about. So, how how did you get into um, becoming a playwright? Like, because obviously, I saw you in Cambridge uh, in that landmark show, um, the oh, Color Girls. Yeah. The Color Girls, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah I so, you guys seen did it yet. did it start yeah. from mm. then or was it from before? Um, so, actually, just tell everyone about for Color Girls as well at Cambridge and like why that was important. And wow, for Color Girls. <sighs> so, for Color Girls, um, is it's the full title is for Color Girls who've considered suicide when the rainbow is enough mm. and it's a choreo poem written by Intisake Shange um, and in our second year of uni um, Justina Kende had this idea to put the play on and it was a landmark production for Cambridge it was seven black women on stage and the, the theatre had never seen it before um, and she directed it and she also acted in it and she cast the girls from um, like the, the black community Cambridge University and we sold out the show uh, it was like a massive success, despite like, I guess, what people might have expected from it. And then we did it again in London and we sold out again for one night as well. And it was like such a massive, such a massive feat, such a, like, I have so many ratings for Justina. She's another one to watch. Like she's big, big in the arts as well. And like what, for someone to be there, be like a little 19 year old to be That's like, you know so what? Mad. I'm just going to do this play. It's like heavily mm. political, mm. 
poignant play about black women in this space that's never seen it before. And I know the trouble she had to get to fight to get it on. Mm-hmm. And she did such an amazing job. And the produ- the production was outstanding. Like cool. it wasn't just like oh good for a uni no, show. It was, it, was a, it was like yeah. a it was mm-hmm. a banging mm-hmm. show. Mm-hmm. Did, you, did you guys see it as well? I saw it. I saw I both didn't see times. It in London. I saw it in Cambridge. Yeah, I saw it in London. And that was actually probably the first play. That I've probably seen, you know. Really, real talk, wow. real talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and since then I've gone to more and more places. So like you guys, kind of, wow. do you know what I mean? Culture. Set the pace for me. Now that was like, I think for everyone involved, it was really um, transformative. And like, mm. we're all still like chat to this day and stuff. Mm. Like, yeah, that's so. amazing. So yeah, um, Justina's like she's been. She's one of the people that's been put up in the UL as well, right? In the so there's um. An exhibition of um, uh, black Cambridge graduates um, who've yeah done great things um, and yeah there's an exhibition is it yeah it's currently going on in the university library mm-hmm. um, so she's one of the people featured Justina Kinde so yeah so like if it was that then where it all began for you like drama like or mm. I'm pretty sure you were like no nah, so actually <laughs> funny enough I never wanted to go to Cambridge. Um, I wanted to go to dance college. Mm-hmm. So I've been interested in art since I was little. So I always used to go to musicals. My mum always used to take me and my dad as well. Yeah. And then dance was my thing. Like I was like convinced I was going to be a dancer. I was going to go to dance college. Um, but then when I got to sixth form and I started looking at applying, I was like, oh, to audition you had to pay. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's like money. <laughs> um, and I remember thinking, like, I don't know if I can afford that. Like, I didn't really want to take my parents' money to pay for something that I wasn't necessarily guaranteed to get in. Yeah. And that's probably when I first started thinking about like the accessibility to the arts yeah. um, and like how money can be a barrier. And like, at the time, I used to teach dance. I used to run my own dance school. Um, and I had a chat with my mom, and she was like, I'm not saying you can't go to dance college. I'm just saying you've got the grades to go to one of the top mm-hmm. universities in the world. Why not apply? And then if you still want to dance after, like, um, do, you can you can do it after. Mm. So I was like, okay, cool, fine. I was like, I kind of saw a point. I was like, fine, I'll go uni. I'll apply Cambridge. Um, and actually, she was right. I guess I'll apply to Cambridge. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's really how I felt. Like that's I didn't, cool. I really didn't want to go because yeah, I remember mm. my biggest concern was, what's the dancing going to be like? Like, yeah. is it going to, is there going to be stuff there for me to do? Um, and so I, I went, and then I didn't actually dance in first year. Too tough. I did a little bit actually. But then I got in second year, I saw the ad for for Colour Girls. Um, and I did that play. And I'd always loved doing drama. And it's my pet peeve. Like anyone who knows and hears me talk about the secondary school I went to, I get so mad because it was an academic school, but drama wasn't on our curriculum. And like the closest thing we got to drama was doing Shakespeare in the hall sometimes for English. Mm. And like, it really, it burns me to this day. Like mm. I'm, I feel myself seething thinking about it. Are you going to drop the name or are you just... Uh, <laughs> no, if you, know, if you know, if you know, if you know, you know, but they're not allowed to claim me as alumni. Like six forms like are right. Like that. Six forms mm. are right, Patrick. I'm cool with six forms. Yeah, yeah, we went to the... Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. it was wow. my school. It was my secondary school. Oh, six forms, so but I don't know. But no, me and them are cool. Really? Cool. Nah, yeah, I mean, it's from cool because they got me to Cambridge. And oh, okay, okay. And the teachers were mad supportive. Um, as they were, it weren't like that in secondary really? school. Really? Nah, in secondary, in secondary school, they just got smart kids in and left you. Mm. And that's how I feel anyway. Um, but yeah, but then when, I, when I went to sixth form, yeah. so I was still house drama, brother, but again, it was always musicals and I can't, I can't sing to save my life. So I was always like a dancer. Then I went to sixth form and I did house drama in my second year. I remember my friend directed the play and my mom was like, oh, you're quite good. And I was like, oh, it was nice to actually act. Um, what was the play? Oh. Arsenic and Old Lace. Okay. I remember now. I played this little old lady who killed people. 
Um, <laughs> 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 I let them put talcum powder in my hair and everything. Wow. Um, but then in uni, we did for Colour Girls and I loved the experience and it encouraged me to audition for Vagina Monologues, which I loved. And then I wanted to do a play about mental health. And at the time, I was like, I didn't think I could write. So I, I came up with the concept with a friend and then we got writers to write it. But it was kind of after that that I kind of wish I could write because I, there were so many people involved. And I remember thinking like, oh, if I ever wanted to do this again, like logistically, it's going to be such a nightmare because yeah. I have to get everyone to sign off. And so from then, I think the seed was planted in my head like, oh, I'd love to write one day. But I kept telling myself I couldn't write. And so I would always tell people, oh, I can't write, I can't write. Mm. And I'd have ideas where like, oh, yeah, but I can't write, I can't write, I can't mm. write. And then um, I started working full time on Chiku, so the restaurant in 2016 and basically that I was basically at home a lot like just I wasn't really seeing people I was just doing so much work and I had a moment when I was just like like I need to do something for myself like mm-hmm. what I do but at the time I couldn't go back to the thing I loved which was dance because I didn't think I could commit to a regular schedule mm-hmm. so I was like oh I'd always wanted to write and I was like yeah maybe I'll start writing I was like mm, I don't know I don't know I don't know now I really believe in like the power of manifestation and stuff like that like strongly law of attraction all of that and so I like started a theatre club and then I kept talking to my friend about wanting to write a play. And then one day I was just on Twitter and um, this other uh, black writer performer, Yolanda Mercy, retweeted um, a set of writing workshops that were happening at um, the theatre in Stratford, Theatre mm. Royal Stratford East. Oh yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I'm, the key thing about this, you see how money is really important. The workshops were only a fiver. Mm-hmm. So I remember thinking, oh, it's a fiver. I can do that for lows. Like, it's not mm-hmm. that deep. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I always, I always find it difficult to justify, when you don't have loads of money, I find it difficult to justify spending money on something that like, you're not really sure about. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, it's a fiver. Like, I just signed up for a couple of them, just went along. And then in one of them, um, there was another, it was re- organized by di- this another writer, director called Lynette Linton. So I'm saying everyone's oh, names. Lynette. Because, yeah, because yeah, I want everyone to get their like Jews in the whole process. Yeah, yeah, of Shout course. out Lynette, man. <laughs> uh, Lynette's sick. And um, she got us doing this like free writing exercise. Yeah. So like basically just writing off the top of your head about something that maybe had happened to you. And then she was like, oh, who wants to read it out? And I was like, I read mine out. And then like some people laughed. I was like, oh. <laughs> maybe I'm funny. funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe, like, oh, maybe I'm right at this. Um, and then she was like, uh, at the end, she was like, okay, cool, everyone, why don't you just finish the scene and send it to me after? Like, yeah. just push push yourself to just try and do that. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, I'm a deadline kind of person. Like, that's how I function at uni. Mm. Um, and then afterwards, we were talking. She was like, I was quite interested in the idea you had there. Because I my scene I had was about these like two girls talking like, explicitly about what happened the night before one of them must have slept with this guy and she ran off and it was like oh and she was like oh it's quite interesting like you don't really get that kind of stuff like you should really continue exploring that story and then afterwards like I'm a gusher so I must have tweeted her being like oh my god like thank you so much for the workshop like you really encouraged me and made me think I could write one day <laughs> like literally she was just like that I'm, I'm not yeah I'm just very like that and she must have been like oh why don't you apply for Soho Theatre Writers Lab and I was like Meh, okay I looked into it and again it wasn't for the course, the, like, it's almost a year long. It's £150, but you can get a bursary, so you don't have to pay 75 quid. Right. So again, I was like, okay, cool. Like, financially, I could probably do that. Let me just apply. So I finished the scene that Lynette had suggested. I finished, and I sent that in. Um, and I wrote, and I started, and I joined the lab. And on the lab, I wrote the play that's coming out, um, or that will be out, um, called The Hose. And actually, the very first lines of The Hose 
are still the very lines that I wrote in Lynette's workshop. Wow. Mm. It's like, wow. that's, yeah. Pro- no. Like, properly, that is how I started Did writing. Did you choose it. to keep them in because they were important? It's like, <clears throat> this is the start of it. It's just how it started. So, like, literally, the story that I started writing in that workshop that I developed writing the scenes that I handed in as my submission for that, mm-hmm. um, for the course, it just all came, like, flowed naturally. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I never really thought, until I had to think about what I was writing, because I was like, okay, this needs an ending. This needs, a, like, some mm-hmm. plot kind of thing. Yeah. I wasn't really thinking about what I was writing. Like, the mm-hmm. dialogue was just coming from me. And the lines still, like, every edit, those lines still made sense. They were still still mm-hmm. a great way of, like, beginning the play. Like, mm-hmm. I like to think when people see it, they're like, ooh. Um, and so I kept it. And, like, but now, seeing it on stage, it actually makes me really happy to know, like, it really did begin in that mm-hmm. workshop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that five-a-pound workshop that I went to, because someone else retweeted so it. So on, on that, yeah. I wanted to ask you, because you've mentioned it a few times, actually, about the financial barriers to being able to be in these spaces, right? Yeah. Do you think, like, do you think that's, that's something that stops a lot of people from yeah, actually sure. coming? I, like, I think it stops people from... Uh, like going to create in the first place mm-hmm. or like like 100% like that was the reason I didn't apply to dance college now I don't know whether I would have ever got in yeah. mm. but the money thing just just killed it for me I was like yeah. nah um, how, so how much was it like for each audition like you mentioned that you'd have to pay money to audition I can't even remember now but the fact that you have to pay, pay to that's actually yeah. mad, isn't it? Because I was that's like, well, if I don't get system. in, then I've just taken all this money from my parents. Yeah. That's what I just felt like. Was I knew yeah. like educate, like I knew mm. with my grades, I already had the grades. So mm. for me, it was just like I couldn't justify, like I couldn't mentally justify. Oh, mom, lend me this money for this thing that I want to do, but I might not get. Mm. Mm. Yeah, mm. like. Mm. You wouldn't so, give a shop yeah. some money for trainers that you might never have. <laughs> like, that's, how, that's, how, that's how it felt to me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think definitely in that regard, and then also. Like, I mean, I guess I'm fortunate. I, I was doing another interview recently and I was saying that I don't really think about what I'm writing when I'm writing right. mm-hmm. because I don't think of writing as being a thing that's like going to be my money earner, mm. so to speak. Yeah. I guess like, because I'm thinking like my, my business is like, what I, it's my job. Let's mm. call that. My business is my job. Mm. And then I write for like still, I still for write fun. to say for me, for mm-hmm. fun. And mm-hmm. I'm just fortunate that I'm mm-hmm. good at it. Um, but if I was thinking about, oh, will I get paid for what I'm writing? Yeah. I probably wouldn't still write what I write. Mm, right. And I think that would, come, I, I don't know how some people do it. Yeah. How some people like are able to keep their minds untainted, mm-hmm. untainted, untainted, whatever. You know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> By yeah. that fact was for me, like if I was thinking about, oh, is someone going to put the hose on? Is someone going to pay me money for the hose? Mm-hmm. Would I have written a, a play called The Hose? Mm. How, how do you think you would change it if, um, yeah, what would if, if money were an issue? Would you just feel like more sort of inhibited or? Yeah, I don't think I would have felt as like, I don't think I would have naturally just written what came to my head. Right. Because mm. I think when I was writing, because I was like, I was like doing this thing for lows and my part time, I just write whatever. Like I was just exploring this thing. If I'd been thinking, oh, will someone pick it up? Will someone say yes to it? Yeah. I'd be like, oh, is it, if I put a play with three black characters on, three black girls on stage, like, mm. is someone going to say this? Like, oh, if they talk this much about sex, like, mm. is someone going to say this? Like, oh, maybe, yeah. maybe I'd like try and nuance it a bit. Like, not nuance mm. it. I'd like try and like tame it. Sure. Mm. So mm. talk to us um, about what the the play, <laughs> yeah, what it's about and like what right. inspired you. And It's not all biographical. 
I feel like I need to say Ooh, that. Okay. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> it's not autobiographical. <laughs> it's not autobiographical. <laughs> uh, it's, heavy, it's heavily influenced by uh, life experiences and people I know. Yeah. And like some lines are straight from WhatsApp conversations or lines. Um, oh no, one of my favorite lines got cut. But anyway, it was it was straight from like a thing that a guy actually said to me. Um, mm. But it's not autobiographical. So it's about three, um, three girls on holiday. Oh, three black girls, rather, on holiday in Ibiza. Mm-hmm. Um, three Essex girls. So it's which this. which island? Sorry, by the way. Sorry to cut you off. Which island did you actually go to? <laughs> I've, been, I've done Malia. I've done Napa. I've been Ibiza. Damn, <laughs> did the whole tour. Yeah, she's done the whole tour. Ah, uh, yeah, I'm an Essex girl in it at heart. So like, that's what I mean. It's like based on them kind of girls that I know. Yeah. 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 And the conversations, and it's all set in a hotel room for the week, and you just follow. It's, I basically describe it as being like a fly on the wall of this all girls holiday mm-hmm. and it's like the stuff that people think girls don't say like girls are saying the same thing guys are saying um and but it's bigger than that like yeah. it's it's really at its heart it's about friendship it's yeah. about sisterhood like i went to an all girls school and as much as i cast the school out like from an academic point of view like i loved being at an all girls school i have really close female friendships um i like completely i'm so here for women and i wanted to write something that was celebrate celebrating that and also that showed black women like experiencing joy on stage and just being like mm-hmm. they weren't going through something because of the color of their skin. They were just enjoying like laughing, having fun, mm. being like playful. And there's like serious moments in it. Like, I can't say too much without giving away what happens, mm. but it's not like the play ends on like quite what I still like to feel like a like a positive note. Sure. Okay. Um, and like, I want people to come away like thinking and questioning some stuff but still overall like they had a joyous experience yeah. at the theatre. Do, do you ever think about your audience in terms of what they'd look like? Because one of the things sorry I guess I should explain that question it's a bit random um, the importance of having three black characters right three black female characters do you think then that that will influence the types of people that would come to watch the play? Uh, yes and no so um, I'm quite excited actually for it to be. So my play's gonna be at Hampstead Theatre. Oh, cool. Um, I'm quite excited to be then because actually a typical Hampstead Theatre audience mm. isn't necessarily um, the girls that are featured on stage, mm, mm, mm. but because of the girls that are featured on stage, another set of audience will come. So I'm actually quite excited for it to be seen by both groups of people yeah. mm. and for both groups of people to experience it. And I actually think that I don't necessarily think that audience goers are the problem, mm. if that makes sense. I actually think people that go to the theatre would like their mind open. Just look at how well Misty's been doing. Mm, like yeah. people, yeah. people are ready to die. And Barbershop Chronicles, like these shows yeah. can sell. Um, I think the problem goes is like actually the theatres in the first place, mm. or media people in the like people, the yes people yep. in the first place don't put the stuff on. Mm. Um, so I. I didn't really think about what my audience would be like, but I knew I wanted it to be seen by as many different types of people as possible. Like, even, I think even when I messaged you, Quaker, I was like, hey, it's got girls in it, but it's not just the girls' play. Like, it's not mm-hmm. just for girls. Mm-hmm. Actually, yeah. there's a lot of things I want some guys to see. It's mm-hmm. not just for black people. It's mm-hmm. like, it's a, a story is a story. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, no, no one says that, like, oh, I can't think of what I was going to try to say now. Like, no one limits other stories, yep. but as soon as yeah. like black skin is involved, it starts to be like 
and pigeon I think this is a black this story, is, yeah. So the, yeah, this sort of leads me on to what I wanted to okay. ask. So you mentioned that um, the characters, um, the three black women in, in your play, they, like, it's not like a play about black trauma. So it's like quite a sort of, it, you, you mentioned before we recorded that it could be like sort of any race or um, ethnicity that were playing the three women, but you wanted it to be three black women. Um, why is it significant then for you to, I mean, I know the answer, but I want our listeners to like sort of to understand why it's significant that um, it's about three black women that aren't going through like typical black trauma and mm. this, that and the other. Why did you want uh, 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 to tell a really sort of normal narrative? Um, because I wanted to see myself mm. and when I actually do, like, I've been going to theatre for years, like, since I was, like, six. Mm. Mm. And I've never really seen a story on stage that I felt, like, represented me. Mm. I've enjoyed a lot of stories, mm. but I've never necessarily seen a story on stage that represented me. Mm. And that even goes for TV to a certain degree as well. Like, mm. the represent when we do get representations of like black people or black women I mm. find like the narrative that it goes down is one that I can't like I, I genuinely can't relate to as someone who like grew up in Essex and went to the schools that I went to and they went to uni I went to like this isn't my experience mm. and I personally think that we're getting to play I feel like it's not just about getting um black stories told mm. for want of a better phrase because a story is a story but I think there should be diversity within the stories that are told yeah. about black people mm. and it's like there is more trust than slavery there's more trust than racism there is more trust than like Fruit. estates or whatever and like all of these things relate to certain people's experiences and people's stories but mm. also for some people like it's a story that they have to tell like I remember someone approached me once because they wanted me to do an interview mm. about my experience at Cambridge and talk about the racism I faced there and I was like, well, I can't do that interview because that didn't mm. happen to me. Mm. So like, I'll be lying. But it's just people so presumptive about what your experience mm. may have been. And actually, for the most part, mm. like this story that you see is kind of my experience. Like mm. me just being a little Essex mm. girl, like running about with my mates, sometimes going to a party holiday, just living my best life, it's just like my mate Evan did, you know what I mean? <laughs> and so I just wanted to write a story that... Um, well, it was twofold. Like, A, I wanted to write a story that represented me in that way, like, as a black woman, mm. like, minus the trauma. Mm. But also, like, it just really draws me that people just think women are a certain type of way. Mm. And I feel like um, women that choose to own their sexuality mm. and um, are proud of, like, what they choose to do and choose to own themselves are often represented in a particular way. Mm. Um, and it's often, like, got a negative spin in it. Like, even if you... Like what was supposed to be so like forward thinking at the time, Sex in the City. If you watch it, it's kind of like kind of sad and pitiful at times. Mm. Like, and I didn't want that. Like, I wanted a story where actually there's women who's just owning their them owning themselves, and they weren't afraid mm. to own themselves. It's so cool. There's mm. something in this right about the importance of black art not only being consumed by black people mm. because. And especially when black art is, like you said, just about their states or the trauma or the slavery or the racism, because we already know that story. Like, mm -hmm. and if we're just constantly, constantly consuming that kind of art about ourselves, like we're just reinforcing that. Yeah, kind of I don't, art. I don't find for me like, I don't find it helpful. Mm. Like there, are, and I, I won't read, watch, or go to certain things because it's like I don't need, I don't need to be made to feel that way. Yeah, mm. I already you know knew. the story already. Yeah. And I'd like. For me, I choose to see something that's slightly different and positive. And I think you're right. Like, I remember when I got called into the meeting with the theater when they were talking about why they wanted, like, them wanted to put it on. I like asked them, like, oh, what were they interested about? 
Um, and I was listening really carefully to what they had to say mm. um, because I wanted to know why they wanted to put this play on. Right. Mm. And I was happy, like, I really enjoyed what they said. And for them, like, these men who are completely different to the girl actors in the play, they were like, oh, I love the quarter-life crisis aspect. They're like, I could completely relate to that. Mm. And, okay. like, do you see what I mean? That's the thing, when stories are written well, mm. like, you can take different, That's people cool. can relate to different it's parts of yes, the story. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and so it's not, like, I wrote the play as a black woman, but it's yeah. not a play for black women solely. And that's mm. something I found, like I said in another interview I did recently, that because mm. this play centers women as well, like someone asked, like, oh, is it about feminism? I'm like, mm, it's, mm, it's, it's a play a about three women, first mm. of all. Yeah, yeah. And like, but as a black woman, I won't be afforded the privilege of just being a playwright. Like, yeah. I'll be a black female playwright there and probably, the, the word of feminist would be attached yeah. to me. Now, I am a feminist, but like... It's not, I didn't write this. Do you know what I mean? It's not like, oh, yeah. the feminism is what made me write the thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's not yeah. the blackness that made me write yes. that kind so, of thing. Yeah, yeah. The, these stories have validity. These na narratives have validity, um, like regardless of the fact that the person that's writing it is a black person or is mm. yeah, exactly. a feminist. Like, Because mm. the language it, that it's used is just to reinforce that, oh, you're different to exactly. a white male. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is what um, Arinze Kenney was saying about Misty as well. And... When I was watching his interview, so Rinsey Kenner, he, um, he wrote um, this play at the moment that's doing really well, Misty. I, I need to go and see so it. I need to my, see it, man. My, uh, my friend Faith, keeps, it. you know Faith? She gets, she's oh, like, Faith. you have to go and see it. Mm. Faith's seeing everything. Man. Yeah, she's she's very cultured. But anyway, he was... Um, <laughs> no, like... <laughs> For it to quickly then. <laughs> I won't point at nobody. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, she's... We're all very cultured people. Anyway, <laughs> he was saying pretty much the same thing, like yeah, the that he... Someone was asking him, Hell you know, yeah. like what do you think of your play? Like is, you know, is it a black play? And he's like, well, mm. what do you mean a by play? a black play? Mm. Like this is, this is a story that has to be told. The fact that, um, and the can, thing is, okay, can you be a black artist and not be a black artist? Well, that's what, um, what's his name said, isn't it? Basquiat. That's, that's Did he? Yeah, so he said, like, oh, I, I am- bare intelligent. I, I am, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's been said already, bro. He's like, oh yeah, deep, 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 deep. I'm pretty sure he, he, I'm pretty sure he came out and said that, you know, um, I'm not a black artist, I am an artist. Um, right. So it's, I, it's, it's very interesting how like, because we, we went to this talk about identity politics the other day, yeah. me and Kweku, but it's very interesting, like in bringing our identity to the fore, what happens now, or at least like the response to it is like, you get pigeonholed and then you're like, you just fit into that category. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. it's almost like a poison chalice. Like you've got people talking about like who you are and recognizing mm -hmm. your, the validity of your existence. But then the, the, the consequence of that is that you just get pigeonholed as, yeah, so That's you're true. a black artist now. So, or like our podcast, for example, oh, like I wouldn't really like it if people refer to it as a black podcast. Mm. Our stories are obviously framed our narratives and what we talk about is framed by our, d our identities, but that doesn't mean that it should just remain in that mm. in that in yeah, that, that box. box like, yeah. What we have to say so, is is relevant and interesting to to like most I've, people. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry if it, I, I wanted to ask you this because I, to me, art has always been about challenging something. Right, it's an expression, but it's also supposed to challenge and open up your mind and quest to questions. Right, and that's from my from my perspective. And there's never been much use of art existing in the same space of of, of one type of person because it doesn't open mm. your horizons, right? It doesn't open your mind or expand anything. And particularly around this, oh, you know, she's a black female feminist artist and everyone who's going to come to her play is then going to be a black woman. That doesn't do much because it's not 
if other people aren't then consuming that, mm. or even engaging with it, yeah, yeah. you're mm. preaching to the choir. So exactly. Yes. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. No, I think that um, you're you're so right, and also again, like this idea of like, even if you guys were called a black podcast or whatever, is this thing about, but being black isn't. Oh fuck! It's another word I can't say. If, if we're not hom, hom, homogenous, homogenous. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're not a monolith. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is why my sister doesn't think I've actually got brains. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we're not homogenous, right? So, because I remember something I did think when I did start writing the play, or like when I was about halfway in, this was the play I was going to write. I remember thinking, ah, mm. oh, will people, and by this I meant like actually other black people, be disappointed with the play because it's not speaking explicitly about like mm, i don't know i'm race. not talking about like police, police yeah. brutality or something like mm, is it will it be seen mm. as like frivolous and will like, i be seen and it's the thing i've an issue that i have dealt with a lot yeah. being a black person who doesn't necessarily fit into like mainstream representations of what it is to be black like mm, whether yeah. i will be perceived as black enough and like i had a question like oh will i be seen like as being inauthentic by telling this story yeah. and like will people be like why do the characters talk like that and i'm like because well, like that's how i talk <laughs> yeah. um and i remember i had that moment and a friend was like i write the story you want to write and actually mm. it would have been inauthentic of me to try and write this like hard story of like oh yeah this thing gone in this day like i would have just been just as inauthentic as a, like mm. like a blonde becky writing it kind mm. of thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I find it fascinating how, like, um, with especially with black art, like, it's the the expectation is that it's always supposed to be like political and like revolutionary. And while I see why that's important, like, it's not every day. Like, we can't yeah, it's like we will, we will exhaust ourselves. Like, yeah. um, I remember this, this discussion came up when Childish Gambino did the uh, "This Is America" oh, yeah. video, and like, people can have their own thoughts on it. But what I thought was fascinating was like, people were like. You know what he's done with this video it's like they, they they were analyzing it from the perspective that it needs to be something political and revolutionary and mm. i feel like often black creatives aren't afforded the luxury of just being frivolous mm. just creating for art's sake do you know yeah. what i mean mm. what do you think about that ify that's true that goes against what i said and i actually now agree with you the purpose of art is to challenge yeah, it. I actually, mm. but yeah, I mean, I think that's one purpose of art. Exactly, I don't think that's a total yeah. with art. Yeah, so before if it kind of like interjects, yeah. um, I don't know. Is do you feel like because people talk about creatives, right? And I'm more of the mind, and it's kind of like I'm kind of like winging it a little bit, but like the average kind of lay person that doesn't have like necessarily a trained artistic ability right mm. I've, i'm starting to think like it's more and more important just for every like, everyday person to have some form of creative outlet mm-hmm. for their own mental health and just for their own well-being and um that again kind of contradicts what Bilal was saying as, as far as like your art just being um something to teach people to like mm. Um, to challenge the status quo it's also just the outlook it literally is I think like we are just as humans is a very human thing to want to create mm. um, and that is something that need, when we kind of put people in the, in the box of being creatives mm. as like an occupation which mm. obviously it plays a, a role um, I think it kind of makes people that see themselves okay I'm entrepreneurial or I'm mm. an accountant or I'm whatever the case is so they don't think like they can engage in that Mm. Um, other than as a consumer mm. um, 
I don't know if there was a question from this. It's just something that I thought about quite a lot. Mm. Um, I guess the question is, yeah, do you feel like it is necessary for just being a human to have some form of creative outlet for your own well-being? Yeah, I like a hundred percent think so. Like when I'm not creating or expressing my creativity, shall I say, um, I I feel like a part of me is dead. Mm. And like, there's a book I was reading about. This book is specifically aimed at women. But anyone could read it, I guess, called Women Who Run With The Wolves. And it actually talks a lot about that, like how when you block off your creative source, like it's actually damaging to your soul. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like, I wholeheartedly believe that. Like I went back to dance this year um, for like the first time in years. And I feel the difference in myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, because for me, dance is like my first, like dance is like my lifeblood. Mm-hmm. And so basically I like cut that off by not dancing. And mm-hmm. like, whilst I was writing, for me, there's just something pure, even like purer yeah. about dance. Mm-hmm. And like, so the studio I go to, I'm going to pick them up as well because I love them. It's called At Your Beach Studio. And what I love about this studio when I go, everyone in that room is not like a dancer by profession. Um, everyone, they, everyone does different things. Mm. And like, but you see them all come to this space, like on their Monday or the Tuesday or the Wednesday, whatever day it is to just like, let themselves go. And you literally see the difference in people, like people walking one way, but when people are dancing, like there's another mm. side of, that they mm. tap into. Yeah. And it, it can surprise you because you can't necessarily look at someone and know, oh, like, oh that person's going to be the good dancer mm. or that person's going to like nail it or like that person's going to... And like, I'm like, every time we're in class when we sit at the end and watch people, like I love it because I'm just like, this is what I love about art. Mm. Like getting different people, you get, it's just, you can bring all different people together mm. and you see this different side of them. Mm. And like, I wholeheartedly believe that whatever... It is, mm. like, also for the business, I do a lot of cutting and sticking for some mm. reason. Mm. But I love it. Like, when I, I find it therapeutic. Mm. Like, I think people have to find their creative outlet. Mm. And sometimes I see this discussion about, like, oh, being a creative versus not. And it's like, mm, I think that everyone has a creative side to them. Mm-hmm. And regardless of your job, which is why at the beginning when you said, oh, like, it's the, your jobs are polarised, I think not. Because actually, mm. you can, you know, you can bring, yeah. be creative with your restaurant or yeah. be creative with your business. Mm. Um, and I think it's about finding a way to find find out what it is, your outlet, um, and finding a way to express that. I think, mm. unfortunately, our school system isn't set up in a way to support that. Mm. And it, like, what, it makes you choose. And that's always the thing I had. I always felt like I had to choose between um, the most like acad- supposedly academic thing and the creative yeah. thing. So like, mm-hmm. when I wanted to go to dance college, like dance college or Cambridge, like... Yeah. Yeah. this and that like yeah. you're always having to choose between the two and I feel really fortunate now that I've managed to create a life and build mm. a life where I no longer have to choose like yeah. I'm, I've got them both I've often heard from so many creative people singers dancers actors like poets whatever that they've then just taken a job that they don't want because they but but they're not feeling that sense of satisfaction that comes mm. from constantly mm. creating Yeah, because and I guess there's so many barriers to being allowed to be a creative in this world right and what would you, I, I have got some kind of question. What would you say to people who feel like they're a very creative person at heart and have this, have content they want to just make and offer the world, but but don't because of their financial situation or whatever their barriers are that then trap them in mm. something else? That's a difficult one. I don't know, maybe it comes back to people's why. Mm. Mm. Um, well, also you because make... Because... No, go on. No, just for example, like... For example, with dance for me, 
I want to be the best dancer I can be, but I'm like, I'm actually so over like trying to make a career out of it. Mm-hmm. So as yeah. long as I can get to class like yeah. once a week, I'm cool. And even to a certain degree, the writing, like that the play is on is great. And I feel really excited by that. And I'm excited about what's going to happen next, but I still do it for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And for fun. I, but I guess it's different if you like, if you know that you want to be like a touring performer yeah. and it's, it's a bit harder to be mm. like, oh, just keep doing it for the fun mm. of it. Mm. Um, but I think a part of, I don't know, a, a part of that has to stay alive because mm. I feel like if you always focus on the end, it will eventually influence what you create and mm. it'll come more from like a tormented, like not so good place. But then I also think it's important to maybe have like another outlet. Mm. So like as writing got more serious for me and became what was becoming, a, I guess, a career path, I was like, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> I need to go back. That's when I really felt like I need to go back to dance. I needed right. something else. Yeah, yeah. And like, I know a guy who remembers telling me he was, um, he used to dance for fun and it became a job. Um, then he used to do fitness for fun and it became a job. He became mm. PT. So he's like, now he knits. And he doesn't tell anyone he knits. Mm. He don't want that to become a job. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and I feel like sometimes I actually need something that maybe isn't like, the thing we're striving for, like yeah. something. Yeah. Oh, I read a really interesting article about this actually, like about the death of hobbies and how we live in this world. It was on the New York Times, like how we live in this world now where like, we, we can't just let ourselves do things for fun. So like yeah. even if you're running, you're like, oh, like, you're gonna, there's, there's, a, there's an end goal. And actually yeah. I think there's, some, there's something about having something that you do just for fun. So even if your art is poetry, it's like, okay, cool. So what did you just, for you, for fun? Yeah. Is that yeah. just like literally cutting and sticking? Mm-hmm. Like cutting and sticking is really therapeutic. Man. Mm. It's really fair. <laughs> I made my vision board, everything like, yeah, it's cool. It's blue and felt tips. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, that's really interesting you said that because when you were speaking, I just sort of realized that because you mentioned obviously, like, for you, art is it, it's expression, it's, it's your lifeblood, like, it's something that you need to do, and like, monetizing it, where like a lot of people do monetize it because they get good at it. Um, maybe that shouldn't be like the starting point for your 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 desire to do art and like when you were speaking i was just thinking like i mean artistic expression has been around longer than arguably than say language like mm-hmm. um and it's like mm-hmm. basically what art is 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 you're, you're telling a story um and sometimes that story might be something very abstract or it might be something very very specific but it's a form of expression mm-hmm. that um that sometimes even language can't convey mm-hmm. so like let's imagine i don't know like cavemen or like neanderthals or whatever like they were painting on walls and stuff like that and probably not able to communicate maybe not with the immediate people in their surroundings but with like another group or tribe of people like a hundred miles away but those people might come across that cave painting and see what they were trying to say i i don't know there's a lion in the area or something like that but my point is is that yeah sometimes well no not sometimes art for me is like it's it's being able to say something when language perhaps isn't sufficient. Mm. So for me personally, like I'm, I, like, I, I used to play a lot of music um, growing up, um, classical music, violin, viola, like played it most of my life. And I really miss playing it because when I used to play it, or at least now when I listen to it, but when I used to play it, it's like I was able to express something about myself that language couldn't yeah. do, like words couldn't do. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, like similarly, when I listen to music, like it's like, it moves me to such an extent because it's like, this is more than language words could ever, could ever convey. So mm-hmm. why don't you play yeah. anymore? Time, man. Capitalism, <laughs> work, whatever you want to call it. But I'm trying to, I'm, for me, like 
the last 18 months being back in Babylon, being back in Britain has been all about um, <laughs> trying to, like before I lose my mind, trying to go back to those creative outlets so I don't lose my sanity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that we're doing this podcast because that's, I see this as a creative outlet. And like, mm-hmm. like we've said many times before, this space where we come in and we discuss and it's like very cozy. I'm in my armchair and I get to have these interesting chats with you lot. Yeah. It's like this, I need this. Otherwise I will lose my mind. Like, I need this for yeah. to, to to express myself, and I'm I'm hoping to get back into music next year as well. Um, so it's it's all a process. But as you get older, you realize the things that you kind of took for granted when you were younger, mm-hmm. i.e., like playing music or maybe dancing or whatever it is, the creative stuff that your parents got you to do as well. Sometimes, like oh yeah, keep playing the violin, you know. <laughs> like you realize now, like. You really needed that, oh, or at least yeah. when you're older. I'm so burnt because I can't. I used to play violin for like, basically, I was part of the gifted and talented thing in my primary school, yeah. right? So for like, I think maybe two years or so, mm. I played violin. Go on, quick. But when it because you had like a tiny flat in it, so like, if I'm trying oh, to practice, yeah, yeah, the whole house is just so yeah. <laughs> basically, they didn't encourage that, so oh, yeah, I'm still burnt about. I'm just <laughs> conscious of time, right? Yeah, yeah. I want to just ask one final question, which is um, why theater? Why that form of artistic expression? It's what I know. That's what I started. So yeah. I think it still runs Kids Week program. My mom used to take us to the theatre on that. Like you pay an adult pays full price and kids go half price. Or first kid goes for free, something like that. Mm-hmm. And so that's how like I remember seeing cats. Oh, like, I love kids. cats. Like all the all the Western musicals that, that have been around from time. Like I, I saw them all. Mm-hmm. Um so that's kind of what I know. Mm-hmm. And then as I got older, I watched uh, I started watching less TV mm. and I, I just kept going to the theatre more and I loved I love live performance like yeah. as someone who when like when you're dancing or acting even and like receiving it's just there's like a different kind of energy yeah. mm. um, and I just like love what would happen in that space yeah. um, so I, yeah I guess it's just like for me I didn't it wasn't like a decision like oh, what should I write or why should I go perform it's just mm. like theatre theater after dance is the thing I fell in love with um, but I guess dance, dance takes place in the theatre, right? Like in this, yeah. where you go to watch it. Like it's all—it's the stage, mm-hmm. um, and that's yeah. Like it's that live energy um, and the way this like world is just created and you're surrounded. And I just—I'm fascinated by like what can happen in a space. Mm-hmm. Like you take one space and how it becomes and it looks so different. And like, yeah. So can I ask what what your favorite production is? Your favorite play or musical? Can can you can you name or like maybe your top three or just the first thing that comes to your mind? Um, I reckon Cats is up there. Oh yeah, because Cats is Big like my Cats. memory of my of like Cats is my first memory yeah. of a of a show. Like a West End show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is it just adults dressed as cats? It's Kinda. a real. It, 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 <laughs> it, 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 it actually is, but there's more to it. But it is. It is really like because it's beautiful. My my upbringing was similar. I don't know if I went to as many. Sounds so weird, you know. But. It no, but just you need to see. Yeah, it. Yeah, the, okay. like the the West End like musicals often like in a very sort of cynical way they don't make sense. It's like. You know, like to most people, it's just like bollocks, isn't it? Like, what the hell is this? Like, grown man in a leotard running around like a cat. But it is actually good. Because um, my upbringing was similar. I probably didn't go to as many musicals as you did, but like, my parents took me to see all the big ones, like all all, all those all those big musicals. So, and it's like for me, it's it's you you got to go beyond like the 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 top level. Like, this is a man running around in tights pretending to be a cat. It's just like 
the music of it and the 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 artistry of it. All and, right, man, I get it. You stop, and that's what yeah. I like about it as well. Yeah. Is like you kind of stop seeing that. Like you suspend your judgment. Like when you watch mm. a musical, yeah. you go like, of course, in the school they would just start singing randomly. Yeah, yeah. Like, obviously, <laughs> it that's makes like, sense in this case. Like, <laughs> um, but what other shows? Uh, oof, it's so hard to pick them. I've also got bad memories. I can't remember what I see. Do you know my my favorite musical all time is? Go on. West Side Story. Mm. She's not a fan. Mm. All right, if we, let me what? just do musicals because that's easier. Okay, all right. Um, Wicked is up there. I'm not uh, seeing Wicked. Wicked. It's good. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I took my family to see it, that. Since I've become an adult, I like I haven't spent money on like like that. That's something that my parents used to take me to. So like, I need to start making that part of my. Right. I, t- I took How my parents to go see that. Yeah, you I because there is not oh, there. Level up. I need to level up, man. And then what other musical? Uh, I loved We Will Rock You when it was around. Okay. But in terms of plays, like, it's hard. Mm. They're just, I've actually seen a lot of good stuff. I mean, I'm just going to shout out Misty one more time so people mm. go see oh, it. Oh, man, I yeah, need to see it. Watch it. That. Um, oh, keeps telling me about it. But then also, like, I was encouraged, before I even knew I wanted to do fear, actually, I was at a talk once and a woman said, like, people have got to go see stuff in the small theatres and the smaller productions because mm. otherwise those people, like those writers who start in exactly. small spaces will never become the big writers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like at the moment, um, uh, there's a black actress. So this is a collective of like uh, uh, black actresses. They've got a season at, oh fuck, I've forgotten the theatre. I'm not doing them justice. <laughs> but basically look up their season mm. um, of productions and just check out the spaces. Like, pub theatres, like mm, all the different cool. spaces beyond like what the stuff that makes the headlines because yeah. those people need support in um, as well. Yes. Big up. And you need support in as well, right? Yeah, plug, <laughs> your, plug your play one plug last your time. Play. All right, okay. So uh, the play is called The Hose. It runs from the 26th of October to 1st of December. The hashtag is hashtag HT The Hose. It's at Hampstead Theatre. Um, you can get your tickets now. Uh, the first week's already sold out. Second week's almost Why? sold out. Look at that. Um, yeah. Come see it. It's going to be good. Yeah, man. Maybe. OTB, OTB. Um, trip. Yeah. yeah. Trip. Let's go. 100. Yeah, let's go on a trip. Yeah. Let's be do fun. it, man. All right, man. Well, can I just say again, thank you so much for coming on the thank podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Ife. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. I haven't mate. seen Ife for the longest. It's always yeah, nice for me. I just see you doing bits like yeah. nominated for this award, that award. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like... I know you're doing like, well, but I haven't... Not on the Forbes list? Yeah. 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 It's like top 30, <laughs> like top 30 on the 30s. Beer, stuff. And um, it's amazing to see. So, um, yeah, let's wrap up our episode there. Um, yeah, everyone follow her. Go see the play. I'm sure it'd be great. And um, yeah, if you want to get in touch with us at OTB Podcast UK on the socials, otbpodcast at gmail.com by email. And yeah, man, have a great day. Thanks, guys.